Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time all across this place. And if you're new, we especially want to welcome you. Man, we're pumped. Hopefully we'll get to see some of you guys tonight at 7 o'clock at the Coffee Guy. I would, I'm personal invitation for me. I'd love to meet some of you, maybe for the first time, or just get to know your story if I've already met you, uh, the Coffee Guy at 7 o'clock tonight. And I want to take just a moment and let you know, on September 19th, we're doing something special as well. On September 19th, we're hosting a special service, which is a Sunday, that night. All right? And if you call TC home. If TC is your home church, I want to invite you out on that night. If you're a dream team, not a dream team, new, don't know yet, you know, just figuring it all out. If you think TC is your home church, I want to invite you to come out September 19th. I have a special word that I want to share from you, uh, that I believe God has put on my heart for you. That'll be at night uh, at 6 o'clock, so you can put that in your calendar. All right, guys. What do I do with this? Turn to your neighbor and say this. All right, they don't believe you, neither do I. All right, one more time. Turn to your neighbor and say this. All right, so what do I do with this. I remember watching uh, one of my favorite shows, and I just kind of stumbled across it again, honestly, just the other day. And so I was uh, kind of like looking through Netflix, couldn't find anything to watch, and I came across one of my favorite shows, and, and uh, it's called Third Rock from the Sun. Now, I don't know if any of you guys remember this show, but it's like late 90s, early 2000s. It is hilarious. Um, and one of the things that's so funny, so if you don't know the basic premise of the show, it's aliens, all right, not weird aliens, but like they're aliens, they take on a human life form, and so now they're just humans. So the opening scene, they're all humans, okay? So don't ever see them as aliens, but they're all humans. And now it's just their life as they're experiencing human, like humanity, being human, their life as they're experiencing being human, and they're experiencing everything for the first time. And so there was a scene early on, I think it's in the first episode, where one of them gets sick. And so someone sets a box of tissues down in front of him, right? And so he takes the tissue out and like, what happens, right? Boom, there's another one right there. And he's like, so he grabs that one and now there's another one he's holding two. And he's like, so then he just like starts ripping them out of the box. And then he like looks away for a second. And like snatches it and there's another one sitting right there. And he's just like, this is brilliant. And I thought it was hilarious. Obviously funnier than all of you did. But I thought it was hilarious. But then I started thinking, right, isn't that how many of us feel about the things we struggle with? Like don't all of us feel like, all right, man, I'm going to get it this time. We snatch it out of the box to get rid of it. And guess what's still sitting there? Like how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand because it'll get weird, but how many of you will admit with me that we all have at least one thing in us that we keep trying to get rid of, we'll acknowledge may be a problem, we can see how God maybe wants us to deal with it, but it doesn't matter how many times we try to deal with this, every time we do, it's still there, right? So how many guys know you got a this? What is, so what is this? This is a temptation, a struggle, an issue. It's something you're dealing with where you can pretty much say, you know what, I do believe God wants me to deal with it, but I just can't seem to deal with it. And so I want to invite you to say this. All right, turn to your neighbor and say this. Tell them I got a this. That ain't even good grammar, but you can have that, okay? So look at them and say, I've got this. Every single one of us have something in our lives that we're dealing with that if we were honest, we've tried to deal with over and over again, and it's still, it's like, it's not like we're holding on to it, it's like it is holding on to us. 
And so what I want to talk to you about today is this idea of what do I do with this? We go to Genesis chapter 3. We see this conversation happen. Now, if you don't know this story, in Genesis chapter 3, God creates Adam and Eve in the early chapters of Genesis after he creates them. He says, listen, you can enjoy the whole garden. You can have everything in the garden. Just don't trust, don't touch this tree. What do they do? Boy, look at that tree. Look at that tree looking over there. And so she goes, she takes the fruit, she eats it, and then Adam does. But I want you to pay attention to verse 6 of Genesis chapter 3, because I want you to see what Eve saw before she took the fruit. Are you ready? When the woman saw that the tree, so just to help you out here and help you create context, the tree for you is this. Whatever this is for you, whatever your struggle is, whatever your temptation is, whatever it is you deal with, that's this. And I want you to make this the tree. Are you ready? When, when the woman saw that this was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that it was desirable to make one wise, she took some of the fruit, ate it. She also gave it to her husband, and he ate it with her. How many of you will acknowledge that whatever this is that's in you, this desire, this drive, this, this, this thing that uh, sometimes I want to hold on to it and sometimes I feel like it's holding on to me. Like it's not just uh, an action, but it's something that even feels natural for me. Like, and I'll go ahead and make it plain for you. Maybe it's your sexual identity. Maybe it's your addiction. Maybe it's something that's in you. Maybe, maybe it's something that was done to you. And so now there's this unforgiveness or this anger, or this bitterness. Maybe it's this uh, hypersexuality because of something that happened to you or something that's in you. And may, maybe it's an addiction to something that you can't seem to beat. Like all of us have something in us. Some, all of us have this thing and this thing doesn't seem to let go of us. But more importantly, we struggle with it because this thing, just like in Genesis 3, it looks good. Like, it's tempting to have, right? Like, it's a del- it looks delightful. It's even desirable for us. Come on, am I talking to the right people right now? Like, how many of y'all got something you deal with where it's like, I want to put it down, but sometimes I don't know if I want to put it down. Like, we deal with this, and we all have this. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got this. So here's one of the, here, I want to give you a few reasons why we struggle with this, though. Turn to your neighbor and say this. You're going to know this before we get done today, okay? So here's the reason why I think we struggle with this. One of the reasons why I think we struggle with this is because it makes us feel like we're disqualified from bringing it to God. Like, think about it for a second. This makes us feel disqualified, makes us feel disqualified to bring it to God. But if God is the only one that can help us get through with it, so this is disqualifying us, but God's the only one that can help us get through this. And so we keep letting this disqualify us from the only one that can deal with this. And we get caught in this perpetuating cycle of shame, don't we? It's like, man, I don't feel like, like, God, let me get all this together and then I'll come to you. And God's saying like, man, why don't you just come to me and I'll help you get all that together. But that doesn't, we still hide it, don't we? We pretend it's not there like God can't see everything like they did in the garden. They're like, oh no, we wild out for a second. Let me hide. And he's like, "Um, y'all know I created all this, right? And so what, what happens? Like, oh, sorry, wild out. Um, so they were behaving badly there. Okay. But how many guys know, listen, I want to help you out for a second. If you're here, you're new to the room, maybe you're watching online. I want you to look around the room for a second. All these beautiful people, every single one of them got a problem, myself included. So if you look around and you're like, man, I feel like all of them got it together. <laughs> Wrong. 
If you've got a problem, raise your hand. All right, anyone not raising their hand has a problem with lying, okay? So now, now we're all just on the same page together, okay? We're just out here wilding, having problems. Okay, so how do you guys, sin is inherently a part of us. So we have shame. The second thing that happens is then some of us try to get it together. Say try. So what do we do when we try to get, if God is the one showing us, man, we should probably deal with this. We try to get it together. Where do we go? God's people, right? The problem is many of us have brought this into a church setting and the church didn't teach us how to deal with this. They just taught us how to hide this. And their solution to having a problem wasn't coming to God and letting God start doing a work in us. The solution to having a problem was, listen, why don't you just become like us and that'll make you better. Like the church's solution to sin isn't come to God for forgiveness. It's hide it better so you can look like us. And if you can look like us, we'll let you in. Let's make it tangible for a second, shall we? Just because I like pushing buttons. The church's solution to the gay person is just be straight and everything will be fine. Or at least hide it well. The solution to the person who's hypersexual but straight but isn't married to the person that they're with or the people that they're with, what is their solution? Well, just hide it well. And if you can sing well enough or talk well enough or read your Bible well enough, we'll act like it doesn't exist. So the solution isn't, so here, here's what the church, the capital C church, so the institution of the church, for the most part, in America, here's their solution. If you could just be straight, good, vote this way, act this way, dress this way, you'll be good enough to stay. And we haven't introduced anybody to Jesus, we've just introduced them to their version of church. And so what we have to do is come back and say, man, where do we get it wrong? Why is it that people don't want to walk into our doors with the problems or the things? Or, or maybe they don't even recognize it as a problem. Maybe they just recognize it as something that they're dealing with. How come people don't want to walk in with the things that they have? How come no one wants to deal with this in their life in the church setting? It's because for the most part, many of them have dealt with this in a church setting before and they didn't get answers. They just got masks. So what we really got to do is deal with some stuff, don't we? Turn to your neighbor and say, we got to deal with it. That was loud. Y'all got, must have to deal with it. <laughs> and then number three, here's the other part. And it kind of matches number one, but it's different because now it's not God. It's us, which is, man, I know I have this in me, and I really felt like I should have dealt with it by now. Like, I don't want to bug anybody anymore. I don't even want to bring this to God anymore because I feel, I feel shame towards myself because I don't feel like I should still have this in me, but I do. And so what do I do with this? And, and here's what... Haley DeMarco says, she says this, because it's talking about, especially if you, if you know Jesus, if you love Jesus, if you're saved. Here's what she said. When we first believe, talking about when we first get saved, we think we do it all. Our passion is so strong. How many of y'all remember that, that time frame? Like, first three weeks after you got saved, you were ready to walk through hell with a squirt gun, man. Let a demon show up. Let him show up. Like, you had the super soaker and the side piece. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The little squirt. Just in case. Like, you were ready. But how many of y'all know about that week three, week four, some things start happening? You realize all the stuff you thought you were taking care of wasn't quite taken care of yet. That X showed back up, and you realize that desire you thought you had put to death was still very much alive. So we still deal with some. So she says, our passion was so strong, but after a time, we start to learn that the passion doesn't equal strength. And our sinful nature rears its ugly head. 
And we've all found ourselves in that place, man. And it doesn't matter what we do. Here's the reality, all right? Is that it's in us. And for some of you here, this isn't just something you do. For many of us, we feel like this is part of who we are. This isn't just a behavior pattern. This is what feels natural to me. Especially when we start getting into conversations about sexuality and some of those things. Like, this feels right. And so what do we do with this? Well, I want to help you out, hopefully, a little bit today. Let's talk about it. What do I do with this? Well, the first thing you need to do, you need to realize this isn't just something you do. It's something that's in you. This, whatever this is for you, isn't just something you do. It's something that's in you. Say, in me. Okay, it's not a behavior. It's in you. Like, let me help you out for a second. The reason that the manipulator manipulates. Boy, I was worried that one was going to whoop me. All right. The reason the manipulator manipulates. The reason that the liar lies. The reason that the addict is addicted. The reason that the hypersexual person can't stop and pay attention to their behavior pattern. The reason all of that is happening is because sin is in us. And if you don't believe me, catch a person that deals with anger on the wrong day. Like, it is not just something we do, it's something that's in us, isn't it? Like, can we be honest today? I hope so, because I got more questions. So it's something that is in us. I remember a lady came up to me one time, and she said, hey, pastor, I need you to pray for my nephew. I was like, all right. Caught me in the lobby. I need you to pray for my nephew. Okay. What am I praying for exactly? She said, he's going to hell. I said, ooh, all right. Yeah, we, yes, and amen. Let's do that, you know. And I said, okay. She said, he's going to hell because he's gay. And I was like, mm. She said, she said, so we need to pray for him. He's going to hell because he's gay. I said, mm, um, that's not true. And she said, mm, but it is. And I said, mm, but it's not. And she was giving me that look that some of y'all are looking at me right now. Like, uh, but... And I said, I want to help you understand something, ma'am. I said, your nephew is not going to hell because he's gay. And maybe some of you need to hear this. He's not going to hell because he's gay. He's going to hell because he loves anything more than Jesus. And, it, and our temptation is to fix behaviors, not identify souls. And so the temptation for us, her temptation was, if we could just get this out of him, then he would be better and he could go to heaven. And I said, ma'am, the issue isn't that he's gay and, if he, and, and the solution isn't to make him straight. Because if he's straight and still doesn't love Jesus, he's still going to hell. He's just doing it with a woman. So the reality is homosexuality isn't the problem the same way the addiction isn't the problem. Those are behavior patterns manifested by the real thing that all of us have to deal with, myself included, which is sin isn't just something we do, it's something in us. All right. Now, the reason this is hard is because we're going to get into a second is because what happens when the thing that's in me feels more natural than the thing I'm trying to do. And so if you're here and the sexuality conversation hits really close to home for you, I pray that you would allow my voice and the spirit of God to enter into your heart and hear what I'm trying to say, which is I'm not here to change your sexuality. I'm here to introduce you to a God that loves you. And if you would let him into your life, he 
would direct you on what he desires for your sexuality. That is my hope for you. So just like with her, I said, him being gay ain't the problem. Him not loving Jesus and having grace in his life through the cross is the problem. And if we fix this problem, but we don't want to fix the real problem, then we haven't fixed anything. And for many of us, we're trying to fix the wrong thing. We're trying to modify behavior well enough to feel like we could get in rather than coming to Jesus, who's the only way we get in. And so we have to, you know, Psalms 51.5, David's talking, he says, for I was born a sinner. Like, how many of you know no one had to teach you how to sin? Like, you figured that out all on your own. Like, it was in you, wasn't it? You were seven, you wanted that gum, what'd you do? That's mine now, Right? Why? No one had to teach you how to steal. You just figured it out. No one had to teach you how to lie, huh? Your parents busted you. What'd you do? Blame your sibling. No one had to teach you how to do that, did they? Y'all know that Dumb and Dumber diner scene? Some of y'all don't. Don't worry about it. You point at them. They did it. Anybody have to teach you how to do that? No, because it's just in you. It's in us. This is in us. And hear me. Until we meet Jesus face to face, it's always going to be in us. I want you to understand something. You are not disqualified for having the thing in you that Jesus knew was in you all along. Some of you think what is in you, this sin, this thing, this behavior problem, whatever, whatever, however you want to phrase it. Some of you think that this that is in you disqualifies you, but Jesus knew it was in you all along and still chose the cross. That should give you great hope. And confidence, man. Romans 7, 19, Paul is writing. Keep in mind, Paul wrote almost half the New Testament. This is what he says. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Anybody been there before? Well, you started that day off, I'm going to get it right today. You ain't even got to work yet. Someone cut you off in traffic. Boy, listen. I'm just kidding. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I keep doing it anyways. Anybody identify with Paul? So it's in us, which means we have to deal with it because it's in us. She takes me to our next point that this does not determine your value and it is not your identity. This does not determine your value and it is not your identity. This is not who you are and this is not what you are. Let me help you out for just a second. In Genesis 1, verse 27, it says, So God created mankind in his image. Every single one of us in here right now, with our struggles, with our hurts, with our concerns, with the things that we're dealing with, every single one of us is an image bearer of God who created everything. So whatever you struggle with doesn't take away from the fact that what you are is an image bearer of God, regardless of what you do. So whatever temptations you have, whatever things you're navigating, whatever feelings you're moving through, whatever this is for you, it doesn't change the fact that you were designed specifically, uniquely, and handcrafted by God to be exactly who you are. What you are is God's special creation, and you should give God praise for that. Like, you are God's special creation. Now, you say, I hear what you're saying, Brad. But God's special creation got some issues. And I'm talking about them over, I'm just kidding. I'm talking about me. I got some issues. Yes, 
Because you are God's special creation in his image. But you have a flesh and the sin nature that's in you. So what do we do with that? What if we started looking at people and ourselves, not by what we do, but by what we are? What are we? God's creation that bears his image. Yeah, but I got these issues. Yeah, but you're still God's creation. Yeah, but I have these temptations. Maybe, but you're God's creation that bears his image. Yeah, but you don't understand. They get on my nerve. Yeah, but they're God's creation that bears his image. Yeah, but they don't vote the way I vote. Yeah, guess what? Shut up and listen to me. They're God's creation that bears his image. Yeah, but you know, skin color. What about race? What about Yes, guess what? They don't have to look like you, talk like you, vote like you, or anything for you to love them because they're God's creation that bears his image. Sorry, I said shut up. I said what y'all want to say. All right, I said it. Listen to me. I want you to understand something. For some of you, you are struggling with this. Whatever this is for you, this may be what you do, but it is not who you are. This may be what you do, but it is not what you are. It does not identify you. Some of you, are, some of you have lived for a while now just going, I'm just a, and whatever the blank is. I'm just an addict. I'm just a liar. I'm just a cheater. I'm just whatever. Whatever, whatever this is, I'm just, you've identified with that. I'm going to tell you that's not what you are. That may be what you do. But it is not what you are. Because God has already said what you are. His creation made in his image. So what do I do with this? Well, let me help you understand something. Does what I do define what I am or who I am? The answer is no. But I want to use some words here together quickly to help you understand something. What you do does not define who you are, but who you are does define what you do. What you do does not define who you are, but who you are does define what you do. So hear me. If you are not in Christ Jesus, if your faith is not him, if you have not come to him and repented of your sins, if you have not come to him, he has made you brand new. If he is, you have not come to him, how could we have any expectation for you to modify your behavior to meet some qualifications that don't even line up with him if you have not come to him to let him have control of your life? Many of you have heard me say this. I'm not shocked when birds fly, fish swim, and sinners sin. I'm not over here like, oh my gosh. That person's not saved and they're acting crazy. It's like, well, yeah. Oh my gosh, their behavior doesn't match up with mine. Well, yeah. And so what has to happen? Let's go to Ephesians 2 because this, say this. How many of we still, we all got this. Say this. This is something you're enslaved to when sin rules your life. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So because we're not in Jesus, because we're not saved, we're dead to our sin and we're pursuing the cravings of our flesh. But then we get saved. When we come to Jesus, we give him our life. He makes us brand new. Romans six eighteen. You've been set free from the sin uh, and have become slaves to righteousness. So now it's not this. This that controls you, it's God that gets control of your life. So now this doesn't have the power. God has the power. Well, what happens when God has the power? 2 Corinthians 5.17 comes on the scene. 
What does it say? It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The uh, old is gone and the new has come. So the new is here. So what happened? We were a slave to sin. So this controlled us. What happens? We come to God and now this doesn't control us anymore. Now God gets control of our life. Now that God has control of our life, he said the old has passed away and the new has come. Now you may deal with this. You may struggle with this. This may show up for you. You may still have to deal with it every single day of your life because I'm here to tell you that just when you get saved, problems don't go away. What I'm here to tell you is that even though you're here, you can come over here and say, God, I know that's a temptation. I know that's something I'm wanting to have. It looks good. It looks delightful. It looks desirable. But I've said that my life belongs to you now. So help me have all I need to deal with this. And he says, I'll help you deal with this if you'll just come to me. And that's the beauty. Listen, I put this in your notes for those of you that are following along. You can let this determine who you are, or you can let who you are determine what you do with this. You can let this determine who you are, or you can let who you are determine what you do with this. Right? So this can be something that is in you, but it doesn't have to be something that rules you. So, what is the solution? The solution to this, are you ready? The solution to this isn't strength, it's surrender. The solution to this isn't strength, it's surrender. Say surrender. The solution to this isn't strength, it's surrender. Have you noticed you don't have it in you to beat this? Like self-reflection moment for a second. Have you noticed for those of you, you sat in your driveway before you walked in your house, you left work, and before you went in front of your family, you've cried in your driveway with the car still running because you don't believe you've got it in you to be what God has called you to be because you can't beat this thing. You have sat back on your couch after everyone else went to bed frustrated with yourself because you keep doing the thing you keep telling yourself not to do. You have laid in bed with tears running down your cheek because you keep feeling disqualified because you can't seem to get rid of this thing that you feel like disqualifies you from coming to God. Many of you are there, but it doesn't. You have this, but this doesn't have to have you. Like, God has the power. I want to take you to Mark chapter 10. I want you to see this story. It's not about strength. It's about surrender. Mark 10, verse 17 God, uh, Jesus is walking, he's setting out on a journey, and a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do? And I want you to circle those four words, underline it if you have your Bible, whatever. What shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. But he was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. So I want you to see this, because this is where some of us find ourselves. You ready? All right, God, what do I have to do to be good enough to have heaven? And our answer is, the, the answer to the question can never happen properly because the question is wrong. Many of us are saying, God, what do I got to do? And God's saying, it's never been about what you could do. What does Jesus answer? Get, rid, get everything out of your way so you can follow me. For many of us, we're coming to God going, God, what do I got to do 
to be good enough? What do I got to do to get this situation figured out? What do I got to do to deal with this? What do I do with this? And God's answer is, it's never been about what you could do. It's always been about what I could do. And what you need to do is not work harder. What you need to do is move it out of the way so you can follow me. The answer to what you're going through is that you would follow me. Listen to me. He went away sad. And as long, it's in your notes, as long as you think the solution to the sin in your life, the long, as long as you think the solution to the sin is in your performance, you will always walk away sad. Like you will always walk away sad. We have a video I want to show you guys. Because one of the ways that we deal with this, one of the ways that we get help, one of the ways that we can really, truly see God start to change our life, and when we start dealing with this, say this, one of the best ways we can deal with this is let someone else be part of this. Because how many know when you try to fight it on your own, you lose every time? But when we bring people into our process, we can experience true freedom. And so I want to show you a video of one of our guys named Jordan who, had brought, who brought people into his process and started seeing some amazing, amazing things happen. So go ahead and roll it, guys. Jordan's story. Jordan. Jordan Dowie. Recently, life before TC was drug use and working a lot and just really hanging out with the totally wrong people. Me growing up in church, I know how church is, I know how different churches are, and I know how it feels, but when you come here, you can definitely feel the Holy Spirit here when you walk in. How I decided to get plugged in here, I could say, to push for small groups. It was the family group first that we, that we went to, and I just was like, you know, let's go, because one of the younger guys was talking to me, and they were gonna be there, so I was like, okay. It was pretty cool, I think you were there, and on the grass, watching a movie, on the projection screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was nice, man, it was, and then after that group, a men's group, I was very nervous, of course, you know, very, very nervous. I didn't know what I was walking into. I didn't know how it was going to be. But once I sat down, man, it was, it was just going, you know, and they prayed over me. I was very transparent, and it just felt right, you know. Hearing their stories, too, man, this, when, when men come together and they're transparent, or like, I'm not too sure how the women do it, but it's just like that that ease, that, that feeling, you know. I've, I've seen other men off the street come into this group because we extended it, we just kept doing it. We just kept meeting and then by certain circumstances that happened, one of the gentlemen's son had to come and he brought his friend and then he told us all his whole story. Someone was told they weren't coming home from the hospital for a couple months and then the brothers started praying about it, we started talking about it and then next thing you know, it was like two days or a day later, we get a picture from a messenger some, through some like wife-to-wife -wife thing and it was Joe's coming home Friday. Just to see those things happen when the medical field tells you you're not going home for the two months and then it happens, dude. It's like, you know, it's, it's crazy. To see it actually answered was, it definitely stuck with me and then when the groups ended, I was like, no, this ain't gotta end, gentlemen. I was like, this doesn't gotta end. We can keep doing this. You know, if you're nervous about coming, just know that, you know, that. These women and these men, they're gonna crack up and joke just like, you know, you would. I definitely urge people to go for it. You know, as nervous as I was, I still did it. I put it off for a little bit, I ain't gonna lie. But I, I finally came around and I just did it. I went for it and it was probably one of the best things that's happened to me in the church, for sure. It's so good because how many guys know we all need people, man? 
Some of you, the reason you, haven't, you really haven't dealt with this is because you haven't let someone else be part of your process. Out there in the lobby, we got a number of groups you can sign up for. Man, sign up for a group and let people start helping you deal with this. But what do we do also? Because the reality is we got to bring it to God. And, and for many of us, we find ourselves in that place where we keep walking away sad because we don't think we're, we don't, we're not strong enough to, to deal with this on our own. And so we're frustrated and we're wrestling and it's just hard, man. And what happens is for many of us, we find ourselves in this place, the same place Eve did in the garden. You see, before she took of the tree, the enemy tricked her in Genesis 3, 4, and 5. He said, you won't die because God said, if you take from the tree, you'll die. And the enemy tricked her and said, you won't die. For God knows that when you eat of this fruit, when you eat of the tree, your eyes will be open and then you'll be like God. And isn't that the temptation for all of us? The enemy comes in our life and says, if you'll do these things, then you can be these things. It's good, it's desirable. So just, just do this and you can be the, he's trying to convince us that we could find our identity in our performance. He's trying to convince us we could find our identity in our behaviors. We could find identity in our temptations. We could find identity in the things, even if they're the things God has told us we probably shouldn't have or definitely shouldn't have. And so we're tempted to go there over and over again. And for many of us, man, just like the rich young ruler, just like Eve in the garden, God, what do I do to get rid of this? All right, God, I see that I've got this. What do I do to get rid of it? What do I do to go to heaven? How, how, what do I do to have you? And God's saying, if you would flip those things, instead of saying, what do I got to do? Start saying, God, how do I just have you? And if I could have you, I could go to heaven. And if I had you and I was going to heaven, then I know you would help me deal with this. See, it's never been about what you could do. It's always been about what God could do for you. And in John 14, five, as we wrap up, he says this, he says, there's a text that says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And here's the way we read that, right? Like you probably read it like I do. Like, if you love me, the same way our parents used to tell us, like, if you do these dishes, you won't get a whooping when I get home. Some of us grew up in that generation, okay? If you'll mow the grass, then you can go to the skating rink on Friday. Like that, that it was popping when I was in town. I don't know what y'all do, but that's what we did. If you'll do these things, then you can have these things. And that's the way we read it, isn't it? But here's how it's really written. Are you ready? God's not saying, if you do this, then you'll do this. God's saying, if you would just love me, you'll keep my commandments. Like it's not about how hard you work. It's just about what you care about. It's not if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's if you would just love me. If you would just love me. You'll keep my commandments if you would just love me. And for many of us, because we're not very good rule followers. Amen. We feel like we can't keep his commandments. And if we can't keep his commandments, we can't be close enough to love him. And God's saying, you got it backwards, bro. If you would just love me, I'll help you keep my commandments. So much freedom in getting that right. So what do we do? 
Well, that's what Paul says in Romans 7, 21 through 24. Paul asks the question, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? That's what we were talking about earlier, right? You sat in your car, you sat on your couch, you've laid in your bed. Who's going to help me with this anger problem? Who's going to help me forgive the person that hurt me? Who's going to help me deal with this sexual identity that I've started to really wrestle with? Who's going to help me in these issues? Like who, who's going to help me? Who's going to help me? And many of us have found ourselves right where Paul is at. Who is going to help me? Who's going to free me from this life dominated by sin and death? But Paul, just like he always does, and he's so well at, he asks the question that he already has the answer to. What does he say right after that? Thank God. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God. Come on, say it like you believe it. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Your answer, it's already been provided. Your answer has already been given. And hear me, the price for you has already been paid. You don't need perfection. You don't need modified behavior. You don't need excellence by way of your actions. You need a savior who's bigger than every temptation you could have. You need a savior who could pay for the things. Listen to me. Jesus has always been the better master. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna preach at 11.34. Jesus has always been the better master. Everything you've ever had in your life enslaved you. It held you captive. Your career, your job, your degrees, your schooling, everything you've ever had, it was a slavery that you found yourselves in. You were committed to it. And when you let it down, it owned you. And even when you got it right, it wasn't good enough. But Jesus says, if you'll come to me, I'll be the better master. Because on the days you get it right, I've got you. And on the days you get it wrong, my grace has got you. I'll never let you down. I'll never let you go. I'm everything that you need. Jesus says, if you'll come to me. You don't need perfection. You need pursuit after a perfect savior. That every identity that you've gotten wrong, every sin that you haven't figured out, every struggle that you're tempted by, it is no longer what you are, but who you are. When you come to Jesus, it says, I'll help you get all that figured out. Everything that has ever owned you doesn't have to own you anymore. Because when Jesus went to the cross, he said, it is finished. So we'll be wiling out at 11.36. Tim Kelly says it like this as I wrap up and I promise I am wrapping up. You keep saying that, it's going to be me and the three of y'all. So. Tim Kelly says this, he says, God doesn't see you any differently in your current state than he will see you in your eternal state. So I lean into this for a second. If you've come to Jesus and Jesus has forgiven you of your sins and grace has been applied to your life and the grace that has been applied to your life is the grace that continues in your life. And so since Jesus has applied grace to your life, God doesn't see you any differently now than he will see you when the grace carries you to who you will be then. So, 
He says, God doesn't see you any differently now than he will see you in your eternal state. Your righteousness as much now in Jesus as you will be then. God has already finished the work. What he's looking for is for you to come to him and let him finish the work. He's got you. And whatever this is, Jesus is here to help you deal with it. I wanna pray for you today. You bow your heads. Father, I pray for every person that is here. God, that you would give every single one of us strength to deal with this. Whatever this is, and however the church or other Christians or whatever has made us feel about this, I pray that you would show us that you love us even though we deal with this and that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to ask you to help us to deal with it. And that we'll trust you that whatever you ask of us with it will do because you've already told us you carry us. We thank you today. For every person that this is gonna be a bigger struggle, I pray you help them connect to you in a bigger way and people that'll help them carry everything that they navigate. We thank you today. If you're here in this place with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you need Jesus in your life because you know that this is something you're still dealing with. But what you need more than just dealing with this is you need Jesus' forgiveness of the sin in your life, the nature of sin, not just the actions. You know, sin separates you from God, but when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sins so you could be close to God. Today, if you're ready to give Jesus your life, be forgiven of your sins and walk brand new. I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me and the whole church will pray it with you so you're not praying by yourself. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I give you my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And so I give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed that perhaps for the first time. Man, we celebrate, celebrate with you.